Welcome back to the Innovation Engine Podcast. On this episode, we'll be looking at the connection between story and innovation. Why story can be a powerful tool to get teams in the right state of mind to create the new and novel. How you too can learn to tell stories, whether you think you're good at it or not. And how to make sure that your stories actually get heard in a world that's increasingly noisy. Here with us again to talk about all that and more, including his new book, Storytelling for the Revolution, is Mitch Ditkoff. Mitch has been working in the innovation space for more than 30 years. For two of those years in a row, he was voted the top blogger on innovation in the world. Mitch has been an adjunct professor at GE's Crotonville Management Development Center, and several other highly acclaimed leadership development programs. He often speaks, conducts workshops, and provides private consulting, all in the name of empowering people to become more innovative. Welcome back to the podcast, Mitch. Thank you, Will. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So so you have a new book coming out. The last time you were on, Mitch, we had you talking about storytelling at work. Uh, This is a little bit more storytelling in life, but we're here on the Innovation Engine podcast and you're a huge, a huge believer in in the power and the construct of story. For listeners out there that may be wondering what innovation mm-hmm. and storytelling have to do with one another, uh, what what would you say to that? Well, they're totally joined at the hip. Innovation really is about the act of considering the new and different and manifesting it, not just thinking up stuff or thinking of ideas, but actually turning them into reality. And stories are a way of people communicating that in in real time, uh, such that it's not fantasy or fairy dust or theory, but it's something in practice. And what I've discovered over the years of working with lots of organizations who have come to me to help them quote unquote, innovate and trying lots of different methods and techniques and approaches and so forth with groups of people, small and large, I've discovered over time that the most powerful catalyst for getting people into the right frame of mind to do something different and to innovate is actually the sharing of stories, both mine and theirs. So it's a very practical enabler or catalyst of innovation. Yeah, gotcha. And so let me ask you to share uh, maybe a few of your favorite stories from the book. Uh, what, what? First of all, what number book is this for you? This is book five. Nice. Uh, this is uh, my second book of stories. The first one was Storytelling at Work, mm-hmm. which was focused just on stories that happen in the workplace. Yep. Um, my attempt to get people while they're on the job to consider magical moments that happen, uh, small, medium, and large, that often get ignored or unreported because everyone is so much uh, into task mode. But the concept of that book was while you're working, there's a lot of magic happening and a lot of experiences that are worth honoring and not just remembering for oneself, but sharing with others. So, That was book one, and again, that was constrained to the world of work. Mm -hmm. And after I wrote the book, I realized there were many, many other stories to tell that had 
nothing to do with the world of work per se, but it was, as you mentioned in your intro to this interview, from life, because uh, we're at work maybe eight hours a day, but we're lots of other places for the other 16. So this book called Storytelling for the Revolution is a book focused on life stories. I love the titles of some of the uh, of some of the the chapters: the Eighteenth Camel, uh, the Dance of the Gnats, the Ecstatic Rabbi, the Scorpion, and the Saint. Uh, I know this would be tough for you to do with, let's say, forty-one stories in part one and eighteen in part two. But if you had to pick out a favorite or two, what would they be? Well. <laughs> They're all in it because they're all favorites of mine. And um, I, I will share one in a moment. But before I do that, I just wanted to set a little context for your listeners. Yep. There's two kinds of stories in the book, just like there are two kinds of stories in everyone's life. One kind of story is what is traditionally referred to as springboard stories. And those are stories that are classic, that we retell stories that we've heard from another person or maybe part of our spiritual tradition or some kind of memorable tale that made an impact on you and you retell it. Uh, Those are springboard stories and they usually have some kind of message embedded in them. Just like uh, for our children, we tell them fairy tales because in the fairy tale is embedded a moral or a message that parents want to pass on to their kids. So that's one kind of story in the book. Uh, There's 10 of those, I think. There's 30 of another kind of story, and that's what I'm really hoping that my readers and listeners would be willing to dive into, and that are personal stories. The moments of truth that each of us have had that make a difference. Uh, whether it's a, a, a big type of event, like an almost death experience or the birth of a child or some kind of breakthrough or insight that a person has on a, on a high level, or a very simple little thing that happens to them in a cafe on the street with a beggar, with a friend, uh, not dramatic not per se, but has uh, embedded in it great meaning and significance. So my attempt is to make it easier and encourage people who have stories worth telling to come out of the closet, own that, make the effort to think it through about what they really have to say, and then coach and inspire them to actually share their stories with others. Because ultimately, the guiding principle of the book, and I think for many of us, our lives, is to do what we can to raise the narrative or change the narrative right now on the planet. One only has to turn on the news or check your Facebook news feed to see all of the toxic bad news, all the all the dark stories, you know, as if life was only about corruption and greed and war and terrorism and climate change and uh, you know, a litany of of depressing things, and I'm I'm not suggesting by the book that people ignore this stuff. It's important that we pay attention, but that's not the only story going on. There's lots of other stories, and it's our responsibility, at least that's my premise, 
for each of us to be willing to tell those stories to help balance out all the bad news. So storytelling, you believe, is a skill that can be learned just like being creative, I imagine. You know, it's one of those things that some people may say, well, I'm not creative or I'm not a good storyteller. But you believe, I imagine, that everyone has the power of story within us? Absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you made that comparison uh, between storytelling and creativity because they're both basically part of the same phenomenon. When I go out and work with organizations who have invited me to help their people, quote unquote, become more creative or more innovative, I try to disavow people of the notion or their assumption that they are not creative because they might be in a profession that seems kind of bureaucratic or rote or they're not an artist, a poet, a writer, a filmmaker. So they go, well, I'm not creative. And that's not true. Everybody is creative. It's just that the creativity gets buried uh, by all kinds of social conditioning, programming, and just uh, losing our connection to the force of creativity in, in us. With storytelling, it's the same kind of deal because as I go around, I do workshops, I, I do talks, and I'm working with people in the realm of storytelling. Again and again, I run into people who tell me, oh, well, I'm, I'm not a good storyteller, or I don't know how to tell a story. And first, I just thought it was a strange little phenomenon. It was random. But then I started to notice that a lot of people said that mm -hmm. to me. I got that that's the mindset of people. It's a, basically a lot of self-doubt. The fact is, people are good storytellers. They've been telling stories all their life. They just don't realize it, and they don't really get that they're very skilled already because they have this picture that in order to be a good storyteller, I have to be standing on stage and all this uh, you know, stuff that would give them the sensibility that they're good, when in fact, 65% of all human communication, this is what the psychologists and the social scientists have studied and told us, 65% of all human conversations are basically made up of stories. That's the construct or the, the structure uh, by which most of us are communicating with each other. So we're very practiced at it. It's just that people don't know that they're practiced at it. So first thing I'm trying to do is get people to get off of this, I can't do it mode, and then just provide enough guidelines and encouragement to take it a little bit more seriously and, and, and go the extra yard. Yeah. And you have a, a chapter in part two uh, that is titled How to Tell a Good Story. So for folks that may feel like they're not uh, excellent storytellers, what are some of the foundational elements that should go into any story? Well, there's five basic elements of a good story. And I'll see if I can remember them. Uh, one is a character. That's the hero or heroine of a story, the person on the adventure. Uh, Joseph Campbell uh, would refer to that as the hero's journey. And that is someone with a mission or a purpose trying to make some magic in the world. But they have to overcome, obviously, the obstacle. That's the second element of the story. The monster, the demon, the siren, the thing in the way. There is a setting in the story. So all stories take place somewhere. 
and uh, that creates basically uh, a good storyteller is able to clarify that in the mind of the listener such that it's almost as if the listener is watching a movie in their own mind. The good storytellers give enough detail and color to make it come alive. There's a plot. Obviously, something happens. There's an A leads to B, leads to C. And ultimately, there's a resolution, which sometimes is called a happy ending or the moral of the story. Something significant happens in which the hero or the heroine uh, get value from, and hopefully the reader or the listener has an aha moment, like, whoa, that's great, that's cool, that inspires me. Maybe I can apply that principle or that feeling to my own life. So that's it. I mean, there's really five basic elements. And of course, those can be done really well, <laughs> or they can be done kind of poorly, because it's not sufficient, as, as you would imagine, just to cover those five areas. Uh, good storytellers also know how to hold the audience's attention, they know how to modulate their voice and how to use their whole body. Again, the uh, social scientists tell us that 58% of every conversation, every communication, 58% of it, of what lands, is basically the body language of the speaker. 38% is vo voice intonation, what you do with your voice, and only 7% are the actual words. So when people are telling a story, sometimes they get too addicted to getting the words right or they memorize the speech. But the people in the audience, that's not what's influencing them. What's influencing them is the, the actual vibe and uh, kinetic engagement of the speaker. So there's some of that uh, guidelines in, in the part two of the book to help people understand what that is and practice it. Yeah. And we, we live in a very noisy world, as you alluded to. You know, there, there's no shortage of uh, social media or news to capture our attention these days. How do, you, how do you recommend that people cut through some of that clutter and actually make sure that their stories are heard and they're, the, and they're not just shouting into the void? Uh, you just nailed the big one. <laughs> uh, the, the, I mean, this is... If you were to distill the whole thing down to a soundbite, Will, you just did it. What I tell my audiences and anyone who's willing to listen, uh, this factoid I came across this year, it kind of blew my mind. The attention span of a human being these days, given all of the social media, the, the ADD, the distractibility and the whatnot, uh, is nine seconds. The attention span of a goldfish is eight seconds. <laughs> All right. So we're, score we're in, one, we're score in one the, for the humans. We're, we're in the goldfish zone. <laughs> so one of the things about stories and why anyone who really is into making a difference with what they communicate and how they communicate doesn't have to be a business person. It can be a parent or a friend or a speaker, someone's, uh, you know, going out and working with a club anywhere is exactly what you said. It's getting, gathering, and maintaining the attention of the people in the audience. So how do you do that? One way to do that is by telling a story, because as soon as you start to speak in the construct of the story, 
you will notice, and this is what got me into this in the first place, that the audience, their whole mood, their whole attention changes because we are wired from an early age to listen to and respond to stories. We grew up on fairy tales. That's how much of what any civilization's wisdom has been passed on via storytelling. Before writing, there was storytelling around the fire and in many other places. So if a person is interested in getting a message out there, and certainly lots of companies are trying to figure out how to get their message out there, and that's why many corporations are now paying attention to the whole field of storytelling because they know that that's how they're going to be heard and that's how people are going to remember them. So big time. Storytelling is a way, and it's memorable. That's what people remember stories. And before viral videos of little cats playing on the piano (laughs) went viral, Mm -hmm. stories went viral. A good story travels. I tell it to you, you tell it to a friend, they tell it to a friend, and before you know it, you've got an exponential, you know, expansion of that story traveling. So one of the chapters in the book, Mitch, is is called Good Storytelling is All About Timing. Why is timing so important for the master storyteller? Timing for the master storyteller is important because it is one way to sustain the attention of the audience. And the best example I could give you would be, let's say, a comedian who's doing stand-up. And you've seen good stand-up comedians, mediocre stand-up comedians, and bad stand-up comedians. And one of the main distinctions between those three kinds of comedians is timing. The punchline, if you will. If it's delivered at the right time, in the right way, the joke lands, people laugh, they clap, and the uh, mission has been accomplished. If the timing of the punchline is off, if it's premature or late, you get nothing, even though it's the same joke. It's the same thing with dinner. If you're having people over to your house, there's the timing of you welcome them, there's hors d'oeuvres, you might serve wine, then you have the first course, you have the main meal, then there's dessert. If you serve the dessert first, if you hurry people and rush them through the meal and there's no time for them to cleanse your palate or to relax, the experience of the dinner becomes funky and people do not have a good experience, even though the food might be good. So storytelling is much like that. And in order to get the timing right, and this is one of the big um, X factors for any aspiring storyteller, the key is to read the room. And what I mean by that is not just memorize a story and tell it to a generic bunch of people who are listening, but actually be in relationship to the people that you're talking to. So you can see how they're leaning forward or not. You can see their eyes. You can see their body language. And that gives you the clues you need about how fast or slow to go, how deep to go, or how quickly to go. So, you know, there's lots of elements to that as well, including knowing even when it's the right time to tell a story. Do you have permission? You know, some people use storytelling like a weapon, like a hammer. 
I've got something to say and you're this, you're standing in front of me. So I'm going to like, uh, barf it out onto you. So you're a captive audience. Here's my story. When in fact, they've given you no permission. There's no signal or sign that they care. And so therefore you're just sort of, uh, throwing seeds on, on hard ground. So being able to be in tune with people is the precondition. And once you start telling the story, to stay in touch with the people. So just like a jazz musician at, at a jazz club and why a lot of musicians like playing small clubs instead of big venues is because they're much more closely relating to the audience. And the audience, the listener, is actually affecting the music or the playing or in the case of storytelling, the teller. It's a dance between the teller and the listener. Without a listener, there's no stories. Without a storyteller, there's nothing to listen to. That takes a little bit of practice, and it also requires that the storyteller is in the moment and present instead of obsessing about how they're doing or self-conscious. Yeah. And and let me ask a, que- a few kind of business-related questions. Yeah, I, I think... Storytelling is is important for anyone to to you know to to know how to do. But in the business world, are there certain roles that you think it's more important that be that they be able to communicate story or a vision more clearly than others? Well, absolutely. Leaders, business leaders, managers, people who are attempting to rally a group of people around a particular cause or mission or goal. If they really want to be effective in magnetizing commitment and collaboration and energy and keep people inspired, they absolutely need to understand the power of storytelling, especially since most of the people they're talking to are overwhelmed with stuff to do and lists and their own distractions. The story is the simplest, most effective way for a business leader to distill down their message in a way that a mass of people will not only understand, but remember. So there's a, there's a lot for business leaders to pay attention to if they want to really deliver a message. Okay. Very nice. And the book again is called storytelling for the revolution. Mitch Ditkoff's fifth book. Uh, And Mitch, if if folks are listening and want to get their hands on a copy, uh, when and where can they do so? Well, after June 10th, I think that's the publication date, it'll be available on on Amazon. Before then, if anyone wants to read some excerpts from it or just learn more about the book itself, you can go to uh, storytellingforderevolution.com. And it's a simple website that just previews the book and sets some context for potential readers. Okay. Very nice. Well, Mitch, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast and sharing some of your stories and some of your wisdom. Uh, It's always great speaking with you and we very much appreciate your time. Thank you, Will. I appreciate you inviting me onto the show. Thanks so much. The Innovation Engine podcast is brought to you by Three Pillar Global, a product lifecycle management and software development company based in Fairfax, Virginia. Head to www www.3pillarglobal.com to learn more about our services. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Spotify, 
and we post extensive show notes for each episode on the Three Pillar website at threepillarglobal.com slash podcast. That's three with the number three. Don't forget, we also have an iOS app for the Innovation Engine. Search for the Innovation Engine on the App Store from your iOS devices. Last but not least, we're always striving to improve here on the Innovation Engine podcast, and we get asked often, who listens to it? We can see from our analytics that a pretty healthy number of you do listen, but raw download numbers don't do much to help us learn who out there is listening, what your day-to-day jobs are like, and what kinds of topics or which specific guests you might like to hear from. So if you'd like to help make the innovation engine a little bit better, please take a few short minutes out of your day and shoot me a quick email with some of that information. Will.Sherlin at threepillarglobal.com is my email address. Also, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and message me there. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll see you next time.